0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, June 29th, and this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. shale industry pioneer Chesapeake Energy has filed for bankruptcy, And Facebook hasn't been able to stem the advertising boycott over its handling of hate speech. Plus, Singapore is luring hedge funds and investors away from other low-tax jurisdictions. The FT's Stefania Palma explains how the country is trying to make itself Asia's leading financial center. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Yesterday, shale pioneer Chesapeake Energy filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy.
1: This company embodies pretty much everything good and bad about the shale revolution. And so its it's demise is very symbolic of just how badly things have gone for this sector.
0: That's Derek Brower. He's the U.S. energy editor for the FT. He has more on how the trailblazer went bankrupt.
1: Chesapeake Energy is probably the most famous of the shale producers. It's almost a household name. Chesapeake Energy was one of the pioneers of the shale revolution. And the shale revolution, let's not forget, transformed the energy disposition in the US. It made the US the world's biggest oil producer and its biggest natural gas producer. And Chesapeake Energy, more than a decade ago, was at the forefront, was in the vanguard of that shale revolution. Uh, under its very charismatic and, in the end, very controversial then-CEO and founder, Aubrey McClendon, it amassed a huge land position in all of these shale basins across the US, and then just drilled, 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 and became a huge natural gas producer, the second biggest in the US after ExxonMobil at one stage. Its market cap soared, it was worth more than $35 billion in 2008. Uh, And then it all fell apart.
0: So what caused it to fall apart, Derek?
1: Well, it was a couple of things. To make the business work, it sought to build up this huge land position. And that came with commitments to drill in all the licenses that it had acquired. And so it took on a lot of debt to pay for all that drilling. And to open up the shale sector, it hired a bunch of midstream companies, i.e. pipeline companies, and had these long-term contracts with them that would pay them lots of money to to get the natural gas away from the fields and and to market and in the end those were liabilities that crippled the company and now the company on on friday was worth about 130 million dollars a fraction of the 35 billion it was once worth and then yesterday evening it filed for bankruptcy
0: what's next for the company now that it's filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy
1: Well, it has $925 million of financing now to get through the bankruptcy process, which will be supervised, of course, by a a judge. I think probably the creditors will expect Chesapeake to emerge from this as a much smaller company, one probably focused a lot more on its core assets in the U.S. Northeast. It won't be as expansionist. It will be free of these huge debts that it was carrying and that were a constant headwind blowing in, in its face. And it just be a, it should, in theory, be a smaller gas-focused company that's able to start returning cash to investors, which is something it was never able to do.
0: The list of companies joining the advertising boycott of Facebook keeps growing. Last week, big names including Coca-Cola, Verizon, and Unilever pulled ad spending. And then more joined over the weekend. Starbucks, Levi's, and British beverage group Diageo. Some held up their spending for just a month. Others pulled spending for up to six months. Unilever kicked off the protest. On Friday, the Consumer Goods Group pledged to stop its advertising spending on Facebook and Twitter. The company cited concerns over how these social media sites were handling hate speech and how they were handling the proliferation of divisive content in the lead-up to the U.S. presidential election. Facebook chief executive Mark Zuckerberg has recently doubled down on how the company should not restrict freedom of speech or freedom of expression. But on Friday, Mr. Zuckerberg announced plans to stop hate speech and do more to protect immigrants from online attacks. He also said the site would label posts that violate its policies, something Mr. Zuckerberg veered away from when Twitter did something similar to U.S. President Donald Trump's posts just a few weeks ago. Earlier this month, a group of civil rights organizations launched a boycott of Facebook. They urged advertisers to curb their spending on the platform throughout July. More than 150 brands and agencies have now joined the boycott, which also includes some smaller social media companies. In addition to ad revenue, the move has hit share prices. Facebook was down more than 10% over the course of last week, while Twitter was down around 14%. Singapore. It's being pitched as the next hotspot for international investment funds and wealthy individuals to set up shop if they're looking for a low-tax jurisdiction. This comes as Beijing prepares to impose a new national security law in Hong Kong, which is raising big concerns about the ease of doing business in the semi-autonomous territory. It comes as another favorite with hedge funds, the Cayman Islands, has also been hit. Back in February, the EU decided to add the jurisdiction to its tax haven blacklist. Now, Singapore wants to be the dominant financial hub in Asia by creating a new corporate structure that it hopes will attract assets from all over the world. It was created back in January, and it's called the Variable Capital Company, or VCC. Stefania Palma, our Singapore correspondent, has more.
2: So this new structure, which uh, is a completely new legal structure that was launched in January, essentially is really designed to attract the assets of, of fund managers and, and family offices that historically have registered in low tax domiciles, such as the Caymans or Luxembourg, for example. And the idea is that the BCC was set up both for traditional, but also alternative investment funds. And it can also be used either as a standalone entity or as an umbrella for multiple funds, which oftentimes is very useful for funds that might want to include assets coming from different family offices within the same umbrella, for example. The structure also shares a lot of the most tax efficient features that we already find in places like Luxembourg, the Caymans or Hong Kong.
0: So uh, how strong is Singapore's regulatory system? After all, we've seen quite a big scandal recently in the energy trading sector.
2: Yes, so definitely the commodity traders that have either collapsed or have admitted to frauds has definitely dented the city-state's reputation however for a structure like the vcc the funds that we have spoken to still very much look at the monetary authority of singapore which is the de facto central bank and the financial regulator as a very solid and very well respected regulator worldwide and I think the main point here is that for asset managers, the MAS in Singapore provide a level of regulatory solidity that is relatively high versus other existing fund domiciles.
0: Stefania, will the VCC be popular with investors besides the ones trying to escape Hong Kong?
2: We were told that there are at least for multi-billion dollar real estate and credit funds based in Hong Kong but also in Tokyo or in Singapore that are processing their registration for the VCCs as well as hedge funds that might be based in Japan, for instance. We were also told that families from Europe and North America are looking at this very seriously and some have already engaged their lawyers to work out their mandates for this new corporate structure.
0: So Stefania, I'm curious, you know, right now governments around the world are trying to hang on to tax revenue because of the economic hardships caused by the pandemic. Do you think there will be pushback on Singapore in the same sort of way that Cayman Islands experienced pushback from the EU?
2: I think within Singapore, uh, there probably will not be a big backlash because that is just how the centre has been set up and in terms of gearing itself to attracting as much FDI and as many international players as it could. In terms of other governments reacting negatively to this or sort of Singapore having a reputational fallout, we put this question to the MAS, who basically said that it doesn't believe there would be a reputational damage, mainly because it requires the fund managers linked to VCCs to be regulated by the MAS and in addition to that, they also said they will be imposing all sorts of, you know, anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism obligations to ensure that uh, these structures are legitimate.
0: You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com. This has been your daily FT news briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news.